Welcome to Productive Flow, where we answer the eternal question, why can't I get myself to do the things I know I should be doing? Here's the secret I've found. Productivity is rooted in emotion. True productivity and success come only when we heal the emotions driving our behaviors and remove all those internal roadblocks. I'm your host, Angela Kristen Taylor. I'm an entrepreneur, writer, speaker, and I've been right where you are. I've asked myself that same question a thousand times, and it only took me 20 years to figure out the answer. In each episode, we'll go deep into the emotional roadblocks and a brand new integrative approach that I call Productive Flow, bringing together your emotion, your energy, your time, and your focus to help you create natural productive flow and achieve higher levels of success in business and in life. Now, let's jump in. Hello, hello. So uh, I was watching this um, video the other day and uh, it was a, a Mind Valley video and they were talking about sales aversion. And I, I, I wanted to bring this up with you because I, I feel like this is a really, uh, it, it's a really common problem that I see in a lot of uh, my clients is and and I've I've hundred percent had this myself, <laughs> and it it is sales aversion. You know, like when we think, well, sales no big deal, blah blah blah. You know, but but what is it about sales that makes us feel like we'd rather be doing anything but? And let me start by telling you kind of my my experience with sales. Okay. So I started out, um, working out in the workforce when I was 14 years old. So that's pretty young, but back then we didn't have all the child labor laws (laughs) that exist today. And I remember my, my best friend, um, had another friend whose mom owned a little, like a, one of those little kiosk things in the mall and sold like t-shirts and shorts and scrunchies, hair scrunchies, things like that. And, um, it, and my friend got a job working there. I was like, I don't want a job. And so she introduced me to her and, and we were both working there. And so right outside of the kiosk was this store called DJs and it was a men's clothing store. And I thought like everybody that walked into that place that worked there just seemed like they were so glamorous. And I thought, I want to work there. I want to be that person. I want to be glamorous and I want to be cool. And, you know, I was 14. So I was none of those things. <laughs> I'm still none of those things, to be honest, but it's okay. Um, but at any rate, I thought, you know, that's who I wanted to be. So I remember going in there and feeling like just walking on the floor. I felt like my, my feet were echoing on the wood and I was nervous and I was scared. And I was, I was so afraid to go in there and, and ask for a job. And I thought they were going to look down on me and say, who are you? You are not one of us fancy, glamorous, cool people. (laughs) You don't belong here. And that's how I felt. Right. So, um, but I, I did it anyway. And I went in there 
And I asked to speak to the manager up at the, at the desk, at the cash register. And they brought him out. His name was Archie. And I didn't know that then. <laughs> they brought him out. And uh, he looks at me. He's got a big smile on his face. He's a happy guy, you know. And I said, I really want to work here. And he said, how old are you? <laughs> I said, 14. <laughs> he said, sorry, I can't hire you if you're not 16 years old. So you're going to have to come back when you're 16. And I was like, you know, boo-boo face and all. So um, I left. I went back to my little kiosk, you know, and, and then I'd see him when he came into work every day and I'd say hi and he'd say hi. And, and, uh, cause I remember I worked at this little kiosk right outside the store. Right. So I saw them every day and, uh, I I'd go in there every day and I'd say, I really want to work here. Please let me work here. <laughs> and he'd say no. And two weeks, two weeks of every day, <clears throat> even on my day off, I'd have my mom drive me to the mall and I'd go in there and I say, please, please let me work here. I really want to work here. And he's like, I got to tell you, I love your persistence. I love your persistence. And I really want you to work here. And I was like, yes. And he's like, but my district manager won't let me hire anybody that's not 16. So if he asks, you tell him you're 16. <laughs> I was like, yes, okay, that's awesome. I'll totally do that, right? And so I, I started working there and it was funny. I, I worked there for the next four years. I, I was the oldest, well, I was the youngest employee, but I was also the, the one that had been there the longest at, at that point. And I, I outlived all of them at that store, including Archie himself. <laughs> so, I was there for four years and I worked there till I was 18 and I, uh, the district manager never found out how old I was. <laughs> so that was a good thing. Um, but I just, I loved working there. It was everything I thought that it was going to be. And it was commission-based sales, 100%. If you, the, well, the thing was, is that you either got your minimum wage or you got your commission. And it was, it was one or the other. You did not get both. It was whichever was the higher out of the two. And so I always got my commission. And I remember I was so excited when um, they, they would give this award out for, it, for hitting $100,000 in, in sales at the store. And they gave you this little like gold-plated necklace with a little diamond chip in it, you know, it's a 100K sales club. And then they gave you business cards, business cards with your name on them that said 100K sales club. And I was like, when I got that, I felt like I had truly made it in the world. Oh, I also got a plaque. I got a plaque, a little wooden plaque, a little thing said, you know, my name and a $100,000 sales club. And so I was so excited when I achieved that. And I felt like, man, I really made it. I'm just like so awesome at this. And what's funny is I went from that to um, when I was 18, I was working three jobs and I was just like from job to job to job all day, every day. That's all I did was work. <laughs> I loved it. So I worked at DJs and then I also worked for Panama Jack selling $30 bottles of suntan oil at the poolside at these um, big resorts in Orlando where I grew up. And uh, it, the $30 bottle of suntan oil sounds expensive to me now. And this was like, 1992, <laughs> 1992. 
So it was very expensive then. Um, but I did it, you know, I did it. And then I also worked at Disney World at night. And I loved working at Disney because it was just like this magical, amazing place. And I thought, I get to be here every day. This is so cool. So, but the thing is, is that I, I had a lot of strong introduction to commission sales very early on in my life. And uh, so it's no wonder that uh, by the time I was 20, I had gotten into real estate. Well, 19 really uh, was when I started as a real estate investor. And then by the time I was 22, I had a real estate license. I was working actively as a realtor and I owned four homes and I was renting out and managing three of them as rental properties myself and then living in one. And so um, working as a realtor, I felt like, you know, that was going to be easy because this was commission-based sales, right? But here was a difference, okay? The difference was that uh, as a realtor, I had to go out and find people to sell to. Whereas when I was working at DJs or, or at Panama Jack, that people showed up and then all I had to do was start up a conversation. They were there to buy already. And, and that was a big difference. And when I was faced with having to go out and find my own clients, that's when sales aversion and sales fear kicked in for me. And so even though I knew, I was like, I'm a fabulous salesperson. I could totally do this, right? I was selling to people who wanted to buy, who were ready to buy, and who had shown up to purchase, right? So it was, it was very different to have to put myself out there and say, here's who I am. This is what I offer. I have no idea if you want it or not, but here you go. I couldn't do that. It was like, oh, no, it's <laughs> not happening, right? And so it was, it was really interesting how I progressed. So um, I was trained back then. Real estate training was almost non-existent. But what training was there was you cold called. And so you door knocked or cold called. And I was not door knocking because I had massive stranger danger, thanks to my mother. <laughs> so I was all about cold calling. So I, uh, I would call for sale by owners. And I would ask them, you know, to, if I could preview their home. And I had been trained to do that and then bait and switch. So like turn it around. So when you go to preview the home, you hit them with a listing presentation. I was like, absolutely not. That totally goes against every ethical bone in my body. I am not ever going to do that. That feels icky and yucky and a lie. And it was a lie. And I was like, that's not how you build trust with people. And I'm so glad that I recognized that at such an early age, <laughs> 22. I was like, uh, no. <laughs> So I didn't do that. But what I did do was start to build relationships with people. And so I would contact them on the phone. I'd say, I'm a realtor, putting that out there right up in front. I'm not trying to list your house because they would always immediately start to say, I don't want to, I'm like, not here to list your house. I just want to preview your home. I work with a lot of buyers and I'm interested in just learning more about your house for sale so that if I do have somebody that's a match, I can include your home in, in the houses that I show. And they're like, oh, well, okay. And I say, you know, if I brought you a buyer, would you be willing to pay like a 3% commission? They say, yeah, if you bring me a buyer and we close, yeah, of course. I'm like, okay, great. So I'd go, I'd preview their home. And then I would 
offer them any advice or tips that I had for helping them sell their home on their own. And what happened was that I think it's something like 80% back then um, of for sale. I don't know what the number is now. <laughs> like 80% of for sale by owners eventually listed with a real estate agent. And so I would just stay in touch with them. I built a relationship, you know. I knew that most of them would eventually list and I wanted to be the person that they listed with. And it worked out really well because I just offered them advice. I offered them tips. I would offer to do an open house for them. I would offer to help them with paperwork. I just showed up for them and served. That's, that's what I did. And so people listed their homes with me and then they would buy their next home with me. And I felt like I was really serving people and I was doing it from a really heart-centered space and I felt really good about it, right? And that felt really good. But again, it was like I had this database that was pre-existing to go to. So it was a step away from having the, the, you know, the, the stores, right? And I was moving to, okay, but now I'm like, I'm like, I see this little for sale by owner people over here and they were kind of like their own little store right? Like they were there and they were ready to do something. They just, maybe they were sitting on the fence a little bit, right? But they were gonna do something. They were prepared. They were getting ready to sell their house, right? So <laughs> it, was, it was different, but not really. <laughs> so when it came, um, when, I, when I decided after I had kids and I was like, uh, I want to stay home with my kids. I don't want to do this working thing anymore. I just want to be a mom right now. And so I shut down my real estate business. And what I mean by that is that I stopped calling for sale by owners. <laughs> That's what I did. I just stopped calling them. So if I stop calling them, my business will, will stop, right? And, and it did to an extent. But what happened was that I, I joined this um, group of, of moms who had intended to homeschool their kids and we all had babies. And I think I've talked to you guys about this before. Um, but... I, I joined this this group of moms, and all of a sudden, you know, they were all using me to buy and sell homes, and it was like, wow, like I didn't even have to do anything, and I just met these people, and they wanted to work with me because they liked who I was, and they felt like I could help them, and I did, and I thought, wow, that's interesting. That's a different concept, right? But as my business grew. And I started getting into coaching and, uh, you know, and I've, I've been coaching now for 20 years that how I got business, how I handled sales was different because I didn't have a pool of people to draw from necessarily, but I did have my sales skills. I did have my ability to build rapport and, and build relationships with people. And all of this came from an ability, and I do call it an ability, to really just be myself at all times, just be me, and connect with this other person that I was faced with, right, in whatever sales situation, as if I'd just known them forever, and they had known me forever. So what, I, what happened was that why I was so good at sales was that I skipped over the awkward, I'm getting to know you part and I would just connect. And I did this without thought, without effort. I was just hundred percent myself and just acted like, oh my God, I've known you forever. You're so awesome. I love you. 
you know? And I truly meant that. It wasn't fake. It wasn't phony. And people knew that because I, I truly do care about individuals. And it doesn't matter to me if I've known you forever or you're a total stranger. I care about you, right? And, and that's just because of, of who I am, the way I'm built. I care about people. I care about animals. I, I care about everything and everybody. And it, it's very emotionally draining at times. <laughs> but it's, it's just who I am, right? It's how I'm wired. So it's interesting, given all of that background, all of that background, okay, that I would be afraid of sales that I would be averse to sales. And so I was, I was watching this, this video the other day and it was about sales aversion. And this is how I started out the conversation, right? <laughs> this video I watched. And it was talking about the belief that you have around sales and around what you think is going to happen, right? And I thought about that and I thought, why do I have this aversion to reaching out to people and serving them at a high level? Why do I have that? Right? Because I still, I still feel that, right? I still feel that. And the thing is, is that, and, and I'm going to put these questions out here for you. Okay. Because these are the questions I asked myself and it was just Oh my God, just eye opening. So it created such a connection point for me to tie into where I, I, I stumble in sales now, right? And, and all through coaching and what my aversion is to reaching out to people, right? And so I'm going to tell you, like, this is really raw and honest. Um, <laughs> but I, if I don't share how I feel with you, then maybe you feel like what you're feeling is not normal. And I don't want you to feel that way. Okay. And I'm a hundred percent because of I've worked with hundreds of people over the last 20 years. And I can tell you that everything that I have felt that I thought I'm a weirdo, everybody else that I know that I have worked with has felt as well. Okay. So we're, we are not alone. We are not. Okay. So there is a belief, and this is a thing right here. Okay. I'm going to start right in with this. There's a belief you need to reframe. What is that belief? Right. And so here's what I said. I said, I can't change people. People don't believe what I believe. People don't want to change. That was that that's been my belief. Right. And so if I, and this wasn't a conscious belief, this was something that I had to question, think about, and this is what came up for me. Want to learn more about Productive Flow and connect with other business owners and salespeople on the same journey? Then go join our free Facebook group at ProductiveFlowGroup.com. It's free, and you'll also get access to special content and resources. See you inside the group. So that's what I want you to do. I want you to ask yourself that question. There's a belief that you have around sales, okay? You need to reframe that belief, but what is that belief? What is that belief? Okay. Deep down. Then, then where did that belief come from? Where did it come from? Okay. So for me, it was, my parents are inflexible. Think of me as a problem to fix and are unwilling to see things from my perspective or believe me to be someone to learn from. Right. 
<laughs> that's big. And so and the thing is, is that it, it doesn't matter how much I've learned, how much knowledge I've accumulated, how many certifications I've taken or, or research I've done or people I've served and helped. It doesn't matter because my parents have always been these people that see me as the little kid that I'm always a problem, right? Because when I was a kid, I was always the problem, always. And, and so they don't, they don't look at me today even as someone to learn from, okay? My dad is a, a type two diabetic. I'm a certified health coach. He doesn't listen to anything I say, including don't drink that diet tea that you're buying from the store in the 12 pack that has aspartame in it. He still drinks it, okay? He doesn't listen to me. He doesn't think I'm someone that he wants to learn from. And so that, that sets me up to have this subconscious, right? Belief that if the people who know me and love me best don't think that I'm someone to learn from, then why would someone else, right? Why would someone else? Okay. So the next question is, why does this persist? Why does this belief persist? Okay. So then I thought, okay, so if this was how I felt from childhood, why has this belief stayed with me? Right. So my first husband, Mark, bipolar, wouldn't listen to a thing I said, um, didn't believe anything that I believed at all. Right. And, and he didn't, he, he wasn't willing, even when he was diagnosed by a psychologist, he still was not willing to get any help. He wasn't willing to allow me to guide him towards help. Nothing. He was unwilling to listen or learn from me or from anyone, right? And then when I, when I look at, at my husband now, my husband is very strong-willed, very independent. <laughs> and he'll, um, there's something out there, I don't know if you've heard this, called spouse's syndrome, where if you hear it from somebody else, you believe it, but if you hear it from your spouse, you don't. And so we definitely have a spouse's syndrome between us. And so, you know, if, if I tell him something related to anything, could be child psychology, could be, um, you know, nutrition, anything, he's like, whatever. And then he'll go watch a video on YouTube and be like, guess what I just found out. I'm like, really? <laughs> How long have I been telling you that? Right. And so it's still, it's like they, these people that love me and know me best are not willing to learn from me. And, and let me tell you something, my kids, no exception there, same thing. So it's no wonder that the belief that was created in me as a child has persisted through adulthood, right? All right. So next question is, where else does this show up? Now, this was a big eye-opening one for me because I realized that um, I, don't, I don't have a lot of like really close friends. I have people that I know online or people that I've, I've never met, but we're, we're close, right? We talk on the phone, stuff like that. Um, my accountability partner, Mina, is one of those, um, you know, and I, I just, I, I have other people, a lot of people that I know and I'm, I'm close with, but not people that are local in my area that I can just go and meet up with and hang out with. I just don't have them, right? And so I thought about that and I thought, this is, this is the same thing. 
this is me holding people at arm's length because there, there's got to be this belief inside of me that says that, what did I write here? I hold people at arm's length because if I get close enough, they might believe the same thing about me. And someone who may have believed in me once will stop being doing so and begin seeing me as a problem, which is the same thing that my parents said, right? Ooh, yeah. Next question. How does this affect my business, right? How does this affect your business? So me, I don't reach out to people who need me because deep down, I don't believe that anyone wants what I have to offer. Because look what look at the, the parental response, look at the spouse response, look at my children, their response, right? It's like, oh, your mom, you know, like, yeah, I'll learn it myself. <laughs> your parents, you know, right? And and if my parents don't listen to me and my my husband doesn't listen in that way, and my kids don't listen in that way, then why would anybody else? What I'm what I'm seeing in that as a pattern, and this is me seeing this in myself, okay, as a pattern, is that if I, if I get close enough to someone that we truly love each other, where there is this unbreakable bond like you have with family, that they'll see me as a problem and not as someone to learn from. Therefore, if I bring people close enough, they'll stop believing in me. That is so deep, right? Like that is a deep, deep rooted belief. And so I want you to ask yourself where you're stopping yourself here. Okay. I want you to go through, I want you to ask these questions. I'm going to, let me go through the, the last ones here and what I, what I finished it with, how I reframed it. Right. And then I want you, I'm going to go through and read through these questions again, because I want to make sure that you capture them, write them down and ask yourself these same, same questions around sales aversion and where it comes from, okay? So the last one here is how can I reframe this? So how can you reframe this? So here's what I said. I have already successfully helped hundreds of people. What I do works for me and for many countless others. The people I serve are grateful for me being in their lives and have experienced profound transformation. I'm always researching, studying, and improving upon my knowledge so I can continue to grow and support others in new and better ways. That's 100% true too, right? I do all that. And I have done that. And I have clients that are constantly calling me and telling me they love me so much. <laughs> and they're so grateful. And I love that. Oh my gosh, it lights me up. And it serves me and, and my, my subconscious in such a way that it's, it's the most rewarding thing I get to do, you know? And so let me read through these questions again. Okay. Cause if you're, if you're dealing with any kind of sales aversion, I'm assuming if you're listening to this, you are. Okay. There is a belief you need to reframe around sales. What is that belief? Where did that belief come from? Why does it persist today? Where else does this show up? Where else does this show up? How does this affect your business? How does it affect your business? And how can you reframe that belief? How can you reframe it? Okay. 
So those are the questions that I want you to ask yourself. Now, one thing that, that um, I have done and that I do and that I really think is awesome is this other thing is that, and these are the, the positive things that I have to say around sales and in my belief system, is that there are people out there who truly need what you have, right? Just like there are people out there who truly need what, what I offer. And you offer it in a way that is unique to you. Because even if you do something that you're like, there's a bunch of people out there who do what I do, right? And that's what you're telling yourself. They're not filtering that knowledge through your lens because your lens is unique to you and your experiences. Your collection of knowledge and experiences is different from every other single person on this planet. It's different because it's unique to you. Just like mine is unique to me, right? And there's a lot of productivity coaches out there. There's a ton of them, right? Pick, <laughs> get productive. Pick your productivity coach. There are hundreds, thousands, okay? But there's one who practices integrative productivity coaching. And that's me. And the reason that I know I'm the only one who does it is because I, I made it up. I created it out of a, a, what I saw work for me and what I saw work for other people like me, right? And I also know that most of the people that are out there teaching productivity, they've never had a productivity problem. They're naturally organized and productive. That wasn't me. I'm not that person. I became a productivity coach because I had a productivity problem and I fixed it. <laughs> and I figured out how I fixed it, where it came from to begin with. And then I helped other people fix theirs, right? And it's, it's, it's not just about productivity because productivity is like a, it's a means to an end, but it's not the end. And, you know, we talked before about means, goals, and end goals. And um, productivity is, is 100% a means goal. It's, it's not an end goal, not at all, okay? Because when we think about um, what do we want to be productive for, right? It's to build and grow our business, to build and grow our lives, right? And, and that's why when I'm working with um, our, our groups, that it, we start out by setting our GPS. It's like, okay, we have to choose a destination here. And this destination is, is where we want to go. Like, this is the intention we're setting. We say, okay, this is a life I want to live. This is a lifestyle right here, right? And then I'm going to plan out how to get there, right? And then I want to figure out why I want to be there, right? <laughs> and, and then I'm going to start making it happen. And then I'm going to focus on building up my energy levels so that I can get there faster and that I can enjoy myself truly being there, right? And then it's about removing all the blocks that are standing in the way of you getting there. Because that's really what it means to be productive. It's about getting out of your own way. <laughs> Don't let any of those old crappy beliefs stop you, right? Fill your body up with, with happiness and, and energy and vitality, life with life. And put yourself out there 
and, and choose a destination that you really want to get to that you know why you want to be there. And then, and then you map out how you're going to get there. And then you go, you do it, you get there, right? Because there's nothing in your way anymore. That's what productivity is. That's what it is. And, and that's why in our, in our programs, I integrate health coaching and that I integrate hypnotherapy and that I integrate emotional support, right? And that we do all of this with business coaching and productivity coaching and time management and organization and all that stuff, because it's, it's a means, productivity is a means to an end. And I don't want to just help you get productive. I want to help you get to where you want to go, right? Isn't that what we all want? Yeah. So this is a thing that I do is I know that about me, right? And I know that you likely feel the same way about what you do and who you serve, right? So if you're thinking that, you know, like sales feels icky, I want you to think about how much you care about your clients, how much you care about the people you show up for, right? I want you to think about them. I want you to think about where they are before they connect with you. And then I want you to think about the fact that you're guiding them into something, something that transformed their lives. And I, you don't have to be a coach like, like me. You don't have to be. I mean, you could be, but you don't have to be. You, you know, I coach a lot of interior designers and realtors. <laughs> and uh, I got to tell you, they transform lives too. They do because they are helping people get into their next home or, or help them pay off debt maybe by selling a home or, or find a better home for their lifestyle so that they can be happier and enjoy that space or what that space offers them, right? What a neighborhood or community offers them. And an interior designer can, can make that space so perfect for them that they wake up every morning and they're thinking, God, I'm so lucky to live in this beautiful place that just lights me up every day. And it's designed so well for our lifestyle, right? It doesn't matter what you do. Even if you just have a product that you sell, you are transforming lives. And I want you to say that. I want you to look in the mirror. Go look in the mirror right now if you're listening to this, okay? Go look in the mirror. And I want you to look in the mirror. Look at your eye. Look in your eyes <laughs> and say, you are transforming lives every day. You are transforming lives, okay? Maybe write that on your mirror in the bathroom with a dry erase marker because that, that just wipes right off, yep. You don't need a whiteboard. A mirror works just the same. <laughs> dry erase marker. You are transforming lives, okay? And I want you to realize that that is truly what you're doing, okay? So when you reach out to somebody and you... You get to know them, you're building a relationship, you offer your service or your product to them. You're doing it because you care. You're doing it because you see something in them or they've told you something that they would love to transform, something that they would love to see different in their lives. And, and you have the ability to help them. Why wouldn't you offer it? Why wouldn't you? You want to help them. And that's why, why selling is serving. 
right? It's not icky. It's not yucky. It's not pushy. It's just when you see somebody who needs something, you naturally want to help because that's how you're wired. It's who you are, right? So I want you to remember that selling is serving and you are transforming lives every day. And when you don't offer what you have, you're saying, I'm not transforming any lives today. Oh, is that what you want to say? I don't think it is. I don't think you want to say, I'm not transforming your life today. Sorry, I'm afraid. I'm not going to. That feels icky. That feels really, really icky, doesn't it? So I want you to think about that. And I want you to have, you know, some people call this a power hour. I don't like power hour because that just feels like, eh, I don't know, that feels icky to me. (laughs) But let's call it a transformation hour. And every day, take an hour of your time and see whose lives you can help transform in a little way. Anyway, let them know what you offer. Let them know how you serve and offer to serve them if that feels right. Okay. And I want to feel right from a space of this person is looking for transformation, a transformation that, that I have to offer. Okay. And I want you to, to offer it. Yeah. Because you care because you care enough to make a difference in their lives. Okay. All right. That's it for today. (laughs) Sit with that one. It's a deep one. And I will talk to you soon. Bye. Thanks for listening. And especially thank you for sharing the show and leaving a review on iTunes. Every time you share the show, you are potentially changing someone's life. Want to learn more about Productive Flow and connect with other business owners and salespeople on the same journey? Then go join our free Facebook group at ProductiveFlowGroup.com. It's free and you'll also get access to special content and resources. Now, stay tuned for the next episode of Productive Flow.